0: My brethren, my friends alike, visitors, all, I'm very thankful that you are here. You are a blessing to me for your presence, and I'm grateful for you, for your soul, and for your good heart to allocate this time on this Sunday evening to focus upon God and upon His Word. If you'd open up your Bibles with me to 1 Corinthians and in chapter 3 and in verse 6, we'll read from there in, in just a moment. I'm excited and I, I'm blessed to be able to be amongst you and encouraged by everyone this morning and, and all the kind words that were said. I, I appreciate all those things and, and the, the prayers that I know and trust that you've offered on my behalf. Uh, as we enter this training program, I pray that you will, you will help me and, and, and help me to, to be, a better, be a better Christian and to look to Christ. But before we kind of get into the meat of this lesson uh, and delve too much into the, the scriptures and, and begin the heavier portion of this discussion, I'd like to start with a, what I think is a quaint little story from my childhood um, that I think a lot of us might be able to relate to. So in, in grade school or, or elementary school, there would be a, a certain day, maybe in science class, where the teacher would pass out these styrofoam cups full of dirt and then maybe give you a little, little seed along with that and and what they what, what their goal was well, well their goal was to teach you about how a how a seed can then sprout and how it can can become a, a plant and so I remember being a kid and I remember a science teacher giving me the little styrofoam cup and the dirt and the the seed and every day we would you know we would fertilize the thing we would pour water into the thing we would make sure it was sitting getting sunlight and, and we would watch and all of us we would earnestly we would we would wait and we would look at that little that little cup of dirt, and we, and we would you know we were placing bets. Be, I bet mine's going to sprout before yours, and we would be we'd be looking at that thing. And one day I don't remember I don't think mine was the first one to sprout, but I couldn't tell you whether or not it was or, or wasn't or if it was dead last because um, I was so focused on the fact that it did sprout, and and I was so happy to just see that little this little twig kind of sticking out of the sticking out of the soil and and thinking man. I helped, I helped make this and I was so excited and, and all the, all, you know, the teacher that had helped me to, to, to put it together and reminded me to water it and, and to make sure it had the nutrients and things like that and, and watching it grow up. And it, it was just awesome to me, man. I had so much, so much hope for this little thing. So then, you know, after they sprout, the teacher, she, she's like, now you can take them home. And I'm, Man, I'm ecstatic. I'm sitting on the bus and I'm like guarding that thing, clutching it close to my chest. Like nobody knocked this styrofoam cup out of my hand. Nobody touch it. And I remember clutching it close, like making sure nobody knocks any of the dirt out so it doesn't lose any of that special dirt that's that's helping it to grow. And because, uh, you know, the, my teacher had taught me how much the nutrients in the soil mattered and, and everything. So I, would, I just didn't want it to get damaged or anything like that. But, uh, you know, I take the thing home and kind of sits there for a while and I keep up the routine a little bit, you know. I water it every now and again, but but my teacher's not there really to remind me anymore or to, to keep watering it. My peers aren't really around anymore for me to see them doing the same type of things with the plant. And so so you know the, the the video games, the the Pokemon, and the the, the cartoons, and the uh, and the allure of my friends wanting to, to to play outside and all that stuff. Eventually, I just I didn't I didn't pay any attention to the thing at all. It it just it just withered away and it just died and it was a shame. It was a shame. As Christians, we're not too different than that little sprout, are we? You know, if if, if if I maybe had some more people who were reminding me of what that thing needs for it to grow and were helping me grow it along, uh, then I probably wouldn't have. I probably wouldn't have let it wither away and to die. I can look back on that little plant and think about how maybe if my teacher had just reminded me every day before I left school to... To water that thing if maybe maybe it would have grown or a little bit better and maybe i would have got to see in the end what kind of plant that thing even was because i i'll tell you the truth i don't even know what kind of plant it was because i just it never got past the the sprout stage and and so i think in our faith we can benefit a lot from our brethren and they can help us in our growth process in in many many ways and that we all need each other so that we don't have share the same fate as that little sprout and wither away And eventually die spiritually. Look in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 6. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 6, Paul says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. Now Paul mentions at least three people, including the Lord, by name here, uh, three persons, and we can rest assured that there were that there were plenty of other hands that were on deck in this equation of the, the watering and the, the, the lifting up of the, and the growth of, of those Christians that were in Corinth. And I'm confident that I, I'm not alone in saying this, that, that I know that I need to grow. I know, I, know, I know I've got a lot of growing up to do. And another thing I know for sure, based on this passage and upon uh, many others, is that I, I've got a lot of growing up to do and I certainly can't do it without all of you. We need each other in order to grow, so that's what I want to share with you guys. What I know that I need from you in order to grow. So sticking with our plant analogy from earlier, I've got to ask y'all. What's, what's the number one thing that, that prevents uh, a plant from growing? Maybe some of you with a green thumb would have more of an idea about this. But what's one of the biggest threats to a plant's growth? I don't know if we necessarily need a green thumb to know this, but I'll tell you. One of the biggest threats to a a plant's growth is the weeds. Uh, Out of any plant that you might nurture, once, once weeds are allowed to spread near it and they're allowed to take root, well, they can suck up all the nutrients from the soil and they can cause that thing to die off. So what do I need from you? Who do I need you to be to me? And what do we need to be toward all of of one another in order to grow? Well, one person that I know that I need is someone who's willing to pull up the weeds. Now, Jesus talked about the trouble that weeds can cause in Matthew chapter 13. So if you'll be turning to Matthew chapter 13, I'm going to highlight uh, just from the parable of the sower, which I I assume that none of you thought we'd be able to get through this lesson without referencing. But uh, Matthew chapter 13 and starting in verse 7, just verse 7 here. Uh, about how thorns can sprout up and choke a fledgling plant. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. The seed here being the Word of God, and, and the, the, the plant is intended to be a mature Christian, uh, the, the, this potential mature Christian is choked out here by the uprising of thorns. And so we see the danger uh, of, of how worldliness and how sin can intrude into our lives and can, can cause us to wither away and to die and to suffer. Despite being called to transcend worldliness and despite being called to, to live in a way that pleases God, even as Christians, we are not perfect in and of ourselves. We're not sinlessly perfect. We're all subject to sin and to the temptations that the world has to offer. I can speak from personal experience saying that there have been many times where either I've sinned and maybe I've not known about that or maybe I just didn't even want to acknowledge that or that I wanted to acknowledge what I was doing was wrong. And and, and these are things that can sprout up uh, just like weeds in a garden. You may not notice until it's almost too late until the weeds have grown up in and and around the plant and it almost seems almost impossible to salvage the thing. And, and, And weeds can be sneaky like that and sin can be sneaky like that. After all most sinful activities they don't come with a with a giant blinking neon sign that's saying this is sin this is worldliness this is going to kill you although some do uh, some do have giant flashing neon signs associated with them but most don't most most of the devil's ways are especially I think in, in our lives are are sneakier than that and are, and are more manipulative than that so that's why we need one another that's why we need one another because it seems like sometimes, we we go and we, we pull up this one weed and then we come back next week and there's two more weeds that we didn't notice last time and now they've grown up and we pull those up and then we come back and there's more and there's more and there's more. But maybe if we had another set of eyes, maybe if we had another set of hands, we'd be able to pull up those weeds. I, I believe that. I believe that if we are able to, to one, if, I, if I'm willing to, to let myself be held accountable and I'm willing to let myself be beholden to each and every one of you and you have the good hearts to to confess sin, and to to be honest about the things that you're struggling with to me, well then, weeds won't be a problem in this garden. Look at at Galatians chapter 6 and verse 1. Now as we're pulling up these weeds, I think there's some principles that we've got to pay attention to. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 1 from the Apostle Paul. Galatians 6 and verse 1. We're going to use this passage later uh, on in the lesson, but Galatians chapter 6 and verse 1. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. This, this is a command. If we notice that there are weeds in this garden, if we notice that there are thorns that are taking root, we're to pull those up. We're not to keep that to ourselves. We're certainly not to go around talking about how we noticed weeds over there next to brother so-and-so, uh, next, next to this plant, uh, and, and start spreading that around. Rather, we we're to go right to the weed and we're to pull that up. Sometimes we, wor- we wait for the right time to confront someone about the sin in their lives or to pull up the weeds, so to speak. Truth is, that, that, that comfortable, that convenient time is never going to come because it's always an uncomfortable conversation and it's never, it's never convenient. The right time for rebuke that you're looking for, the perfect moment for you to say something to this brother or sister who you think is engaged in this dangerous or sinful activity, it may not come. So you ought to just do it while, while you know that you can and when we do that, though I'm saying this with a sense of urgency, when we uproot those weeds, we must do that in a spirit of gentleness, just like the apostle says here. Take, uh, take, take the, the plant analogy, the garden analogy again. If I notice there's some weeds around this plant, well, what do I do? Do I, do I just go in and I just drag up all the dirt in the area and I just start ripping and tearing random pieces of dirt and flinging it around all over the place? No, that's not what I do. That's not how you get rid of weeds. What you've done then is you've just torn up your whole garden and you've you've ruined this plant. And you might have gotten the weeds, but you've ruined the plant as well. And so when we go to correct our brother, or our sister in Christ for, for some matter of sin, we don't go in guns blazing and just try to destroy them and try to break them down and, and, and try to try to upheave them. We try to restore them. We, yeah, we try to pull up the weeds, but we don't try to take the, the whole root of the plant with them. We want to keep those in. We want to keep a strong root and a strong basis. But in order to get rid of a weed, you've got to upheave the root of the weed. So you do have to be willing to go in deep and talk about some serious and some messy things with people. But that's why we're a family, isn't it? Because we need to be comfortable. That's why God's ascribed to this, this family relationship. We need to be comfortable talking about those difficult subjects with one another. And we can't just kind of, oh, that's a little bit too sensitive for, for so-and-so and I to, to speak about. We're family. We're family. We need to be able to go in and we need to be able to point these things out. And that's, that, and, and that's the thing. Sin's messy. It's a messy thing. Sin, is, sin begins in the heart, the deepest part of ourselves, the core of ourselves. And so to address that, we have to go to the deepest part of someone. And we have to, they have, we have to let people into the deepest parts of ourselves in order to, to, to get those weeds pulled up. But we must do that. We must do that for one another so that we can grow because these weeds are going to be our barrier to growth. Weeds must be pulled up from the root. Sin must be upheaved from the heart. So we've been looking at this negative concept in weeds. And how they can they can stint growth and and we're talking about that in relation to addressing sin. But let's talk about less about prevent prevention uh, uh, of problems and of dying and of the negative, and let's take a more positive direction and talk about some things that we can do to ensure that that that, that a, a Christian becomes strong and that a plant grows strong. So we're going to need to make sure that we receive proper nutrients. You can be opening to Matthew chapter four right now. Matthew chapter four. So what else do I need from you? What do I? Who who do you need to be? Who do I need to be for you? Well, what do we need? We need someone to lay down the fertilizer. All plants require nutrients from the soil in which they're planted. I learned that in grade school. One way that those who possess a, a green thumb ensure that their plants will grow big and strong is, you know, they make absolutely sure that everything about the soil provides the right nutrition. ...for their plant that it has a lot of sustenance... ...and they know the, that a plant requires food to grow. Humans are no different. Most of us probably went somewhere after services... ...and we got a bite to eat because why? Because we need that and our body tells us that we need that... ...and we understand that. So God naturally uses that to teach us a spiritual truth... ...here in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 4... ...where Jesus rebukes the devil... ...where no doubt Jesus was experiencing... ...that physical sensation of hunger in the desert... ...as he was being tempted. Jesus answered, it is written... ...man shall not live by bread alone... But by every word that comes from the mouth of God. The word of God is what nourishes us in our faith. However, that said, I'll be the first to tell you, I do not know every single thing that the Bible has to teach. I know some things, and I think I know some things really well, and I've got some things drilled in really well. But then in times of trouble, I either forget them or I forget what they mean to me. And so I'm in need of someone to help me. I'm in need uh, of you all to help lay down that nutrient-rich soil that is the Word of God so that I can continue growing. I need someone who will remind me from, from the very basics uh, of the, the biblical teachings all the way to the advanced and the, the, the complicated prophecies of Ezekiel and of Daniel and of Revelation and, and, and line upon line and, and, and all that. I need, to understand, I need to understand those things. I need to be reminded of, of not just some of the Bible but every bit of it. And so how do we do that? How can we do that for each other? We do that in casual conversation I hope and I do believe most of us here Just from talking with you guys is is scripture part of your everyday language We just we just kind of talk about spiritual things in spiritual ways so much I don't know Sometimes I go out in the world and I say i'll make a bible reference in a, in a group of friends that don't, don't really know too much about it And i'm just kind of like Nobody knows what i'm talking about, you know kind of thing and 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 that's kind of good I think that that we need to have some social awareness about that for sure, but but we we need we need to be using scripture in our everyday language, and that encourages me, and I hope it encourages you. Another thing cool that we have, uh, not a lot of people write letters necessarily anymore. Um, some some still do, and that's much appreciated, very personal sentiment. Um, but we also have messengers, uh, online things, uh, these phones that we have in all of our pockets, where you know if you're just thinking, man, you know I think I think Brother Cain could use this scripture. I'll just, you can just send it to me. I would not be mad if once a day, every day, I got a, I got a scriptural verse from, from a different person in the congregation every day. I, that would not upset me at all. It would not annoy me. And we have that ability to just say, you know what, I had a, I had a cool <coughs> biblical thought. And, and, and I wonder what X has to say about that. And so you go and you talk to that person. That's cool. We can do that now. And we can encourage one another through those means, and we need to use that too. Uh, another thing that uh, uh, Josh and I... Uh, we kind of said, and it was like, whoa, this is like a novel idea. Um, I can't, can't believe this. Uh, you could just offer to have a Bible study with one of your brethren. Uh, we talk all the time, and, and we're like, man, like, I want to get a Bible study with somebody out there in the world because I feel like, you know, uh, we, could, we could make converts and do evangelism, and let's get Bible studies. Let's go door knocking. Let's do this. We can do all that. That's cool. But if you really are just itching for a Bible study, I'll be the first. T- I want to have a Bible study. I don't know about you, but I love studying the Bible. Um, so if anybody's just itching to, to talk about the Bible— Let's do it. Um, and I think that's a good thing for us to do is to just invite people to do Bible studies outside of here. Um, say, let's, we're having a Bible study in our home. Invite a couple people over. Hang out. Talk about the Bible. Get to know one another more. I think that's a good practice to get into. And it, it facilitates a good culture in a local congregation. The book of Deuteronomy reminds us that Scripture should be all over our lives. We're not going to turn over there. But, but most of us know the Scripture. That the word needs to be bound on our hands, our feet above every door, in our conversation, and that principle that everything that we do is guided by Scripture. Now we need each other to remind each other of this nourishment that we need. And in our growth process, as we're growing up, as we're getting this nourishment, and as people are pulling up the weeds, we start growing and we start gaining some, some real some real oomph and some real size. Well, sometimes what we need, sometimes what we need is somebody to put up a trellis you all know what a trellis is? I didn't either. I had no idea what a trellis was. Um, until, until I asked Josh, Hey Josh, what are those, what are those things that they kind of hold up the plant while it's growing? And, and it, it, it's, they grow along these little lines and, and these wooden things. What, what's that called? Because I wanted to use it in the sermon, and I knew it would go well with the analogy, but I can't just type in the, the PowerPoint, oh, I'm going to need someone to put up one of those things that hold up the plants. Just, the font would have been too small, right? So uh, so someone to put up a trellis. A trellis is one of those things that it basically helps the plant grow. And uh, what these trellis do is they help provide, number one, support for the plant, and number two, direction to make sure that the plant grows in the path that, that the individual wants for the plant to grow in. Look in Proverbs chapter 11 and see how it's vital that we have a trellis built by our brethren and how we continue to, to put these things up. Proverbs chapter 11. We all need someone to put up a trellis or two along our path of growth. Growth. The wise man will back me up on this in Proverbs chapter 11. You all know where I'm going with this. If the trellis provides support and direction, well, then what do I need from you? Support and direction. Proverbs 11 verse 14. Where there is no guidance, a people falls. But in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. I need support in the things that I'm doing as a Christian. I think we all do. Working life can be hard. For those, of, those that are in school, school can be hard. Uh, going, to, going home to the family. The family life can be hard. Uh, the things we do in our recreation and our hobbies can sometimes even present challenges. This, this spiritual life in Christ can become hard. We need people who will be there to support us and to give us a listening ear. People who will remind us that we can't. That we can make it, and we can keep growing without snapping in two. So I know that I need that support. Secondly, I know that I need that direction. Boy, do I need direction! <laughs> if any of you've ever tried to to deal with me and trying to get me over to, to your house or meet me at a restaurant or something, I don't have good directions. If you start talking to me about you need to go north down north up twenty seven and then you take a, you go west for a minute on this, I, I don't know what you're talking about. Okay? I need some direction, alright? Uh, the Bible says many times over that the way that seems right to a man leads to death. We all need to help each other out. We all need to be the kind of people who remind each other of the path that we're on, support each other in it, give each other direction, and and keep us there, to give us counsel and correct us where we err. I'm not sure about all y'all, but sometimes this growth, in this growth process, even though I might have have come quite a way, even though there might be a trellis or two kind of set up, and and I'm kind of I feel like I'm going down a path, a designed path here that I'm meant to go on, and I do feel supported. Feels like I'm just feels like things are just slowing down. Feels like I'm not growing as fast as I once was. Especially me, I feel like this is common. A lot of people have told me this. You know, I, I'm about three and a half, four years out of the baptistry or so, and. I had that fire when I first came out of the baptistry. Man, I was on fire. And sometimes it just feels like more like hills and valleys, right? And it feels like like I man, like things I was growing so fast before, but now things are slowing down. Well, well that's why we need First Corinthians chapter thirteen and verse four for my brethren, because I think that it is the case that, especially as as of late, especially toward the tail end of school, my growth did slow down quite a bit, and I was in a bit of a valley. And I was thinking, man, I don't know if I can make it sometimes. But there were plenty of brethren who saw that, I believe, with God's eyes to some degree. And they looked upon me with patience and with long suffering. 1 First, First Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4 tells us that love is patient, right? If, if, if we're in a garden and we're plants, then it takes time for a plant to grow. That's something that's necessary. And that's something that I need. I need, I need someone who will give me time. You know, you see this here. This uh, For those of you that can see the screen, there's, there's this tiny plant sitting here under this guy. And it's a little bit of a sprout. But he knows. He's holding in his other hand what this plant could become. Here, here, here he's holding it in the two hands, the fully mature and grown plant. And he can see. Experienced gardeners know this. That they see that little sprout, and they don't just see a sprout. They see what it could become. And I think that that's what, how we need to look at each other. Sometimes we look at, at brethren, and we think, man, why do they got to be like that? Well, what's, well, well what, what, what's, the, what's the deal with this? And I think a lot of people look at me, and they think that. And they say, man, Cain's just... And I don't know if, that this is you all, but I think sometimes people will be like, man, Cain's just weak in this area. I hope he really gets a rain on this and and things like that. And I've even had things like this said to me before, and and I agree. I I have a lot of areas that I I really I, I need to work on a whole lot, and that I I need to to grow and that I need to to expand who I am and to become better. Now, in that, it's important that that we understand that. That there's, there's that process that goes on there. Christians, that we may not understand every little thing that the Bible has to teach. I sure don't. Further, even the most mature Christians that I know, they'll admit the same thing. They don't know everything the Bible has to teach. They don't live everything in the Bible absolutely perfectly all the time. We're not done growing. Another thing too. We don't all grow at the same speed either. And We shouldn't be expected to. A cedar tree takes 150 years grow one inch a bamboo shoot can grow as fast as 35 inches per day both are both are different plants with different functions and they grow at different speeds and in the same way we all grow at different speeds and and with each other we can't expect so and so to grow in the same areas as fast as we do and, and we can't judge someone who's growing slower in those areas And we can't judge harshly upon ourselves for that matter. That's not the point of the lesson. But we can't look at ourselves and say, Man, I'm not growing as fast as brother so-and-so. And and feel down about that. As long as you're working and as long as you're growing and you're really doing your best in different areas, then then that's all that that can be asked of you. Some of y'all might consider yourself a bit of a sprout spiritually. Some of y'all might consider yourself more mature and starting to blossom and bear some fruit. Regardless, though... Both are facing difficulties. Both have weeds that are popping up still. Both have days where they didn't get enough sunlight. Both have days where where they're starting to grow off in a little bit of a wrong direction. Well, what do we do with that? Well, if a gardener sees that, do they just pull up the whole plant and say, it's dead, it's over. That's not the case. Does a a farmer uh, plant seed and then go away, come back the next day and expect a full crop? Absolutely not. So then what do we do with that? Sometimes a Christian that is experiencing growing pains, or maybe isn't growing as fast as one to think that they might should, sometimes they don't need to be beaten down. Sometimes they don't need that. Sometimes they just need someone who will give them time, someone who will give them patience, and who will trust that they'll grow. I know I need that from you all right now. And I thank you for bearing with me. I know I can be a pain. In the nursing home service this morning, I said, I can be a knucklehead at times. I know that. And I think that we can all we can all be that way sometimes. And we all appreciate the patience of our brethren. Again, that Galatians passage in verse six or in chapter six and verse one. In chapter six and verse one. We, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. In a spirit of gentleness. We have to empathize with this person. They're, we can't just go just beating them down and banging a Bible over their head. and and telling them how they are straight on the fast track to hell before we even communicate with them back and forth about what's going on and we get all the details and we show them that we love them. That's more important. Love is a much greater motivator than fear. And until we establish that with, with, with our brethren that require patience, well, then we're going to be missing out. So you see how we need each other to play these various roles. Besides some... Weed-free, nutrient-rich soil, maybe a, a trellis or, true, or two, and, and some patience. Well, what else does a, a gardener need to raise a strong plant? What do I need from you in order for me to grow? Well, who do you need me to be in order for you to grow? I'll tell you. So I'm going to show us the sun. I'm going to show us the sun. Oh, sorry, that was that was a typo. So I'm going to show us the sun with an O. Sorry, my bad. Um, We need to, we need to, while I do, I want to talk about the sun. There's something to be said about the sun. I want to talk about the sun with an O. There's something to be said about the sun with a U that does rest in our sky. Look in Genesis chapter 1. Look at Genesis chapter 1. In Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1, we can read together that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth, was, or the earth was without form and void, and darkness was, was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, "Let there be light," and there was light. So God, he, he illuminates. He He brings order out of this this darkness. And then on the second day, in verse six through verse eight, God made the sea. He made the land. He made the sky. The third day, in nine through thirteen, He divided them. He brought forth plants. Kind of like so we can have sermons like this, I guess. then on the fourth day, in verse 14 through 19, read with me there, God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years and let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day, the lesser light to rule the night and the stars. And God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth to rule over the day and over the night and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good, and there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. God gives us the sun that allows all these plants to grow and to prosper, the sun with a, a you. And then on the fifth day, in 20 through, 20 through 23, God creates the fish and the birds. But then, beginning in verse 24, the Lord creates the animals of the land. Read with me in, read with me in verse 26, rather, where, where we come into the picture, on down to the end of the chapter in verse 26. God said, let us make man. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have a dominion over the fish and of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every, every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth and every tree with seed and its fruit. You shall have them for food and to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the heavens and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of the life. I have given every green plant food and it was so and god saw everything that he had made and behold it was very good and there was evening and there was morning the sixth day genesis chapter one tells us how our awesome god took a a vacuum a void of nothingness of chaos of of just potential and how he took that and how he molded it and how he shaped it and finally tuned it and perfectly uh, nutted every bolt and turned every screw and, and caused every cog to turn to cause the universe to be the way that it ought to be he brought from darkness and chaos illumination and order this is the god of the bible this is the reason we're here this is the god that we serve and he made a great masterpiece and he, he gave us dominion over this earth and over all these things, and he's given us every good thing that you love, everything in your life that you cherish, every person in your life that you cherish, and every memory and every bond that you have that is good and that is right, it comes from God. And so what did we do in response? Each and every one of us turned away. We turned away from that goodness, and we turned away from that righteousness, and we said, we don't want to grow into what you want us to grow into. And as a result, what, are, what is our destiny then? What is our fate? Well, we never will. We don't want to blossom. If we don't want to bear fruit. Well, God's not going to force that. He's not going to make us to do that. So, so we rebel against him. And, and, and so what is his response? Is his response to simply to just throw his hands up and to give up? No. God is a good... No. God is the greatest gardener. God is the, the greatest, the best the, the most patient the the, the the most just fundamentally good shepherd gardener leader savior that we could ask for look in Galatians and look in chapter 3 and in verse 26 Galatians chapter 3 and verse 26 so so what's the if we've broken this bond by our imperfections I don't I don't believe there's anyone here that would assert that you know what? I never needed a trellis because I grew perfectly on the path 100% my entire life. I don't think there's anyone here that'll say that. And so we've broken that bond and we've disrespected God for all the things that he's given us. But is it possible that we can restore that relationship? Is it possible that we can fix that relationship? Is it possible that you can make yourself right with God? No, it's not. You cannot. But Jesus can. Galatians chapter 3 verse 26, For in Christ Jesus... You're all sons of God through faith. So ultimately, the most fundamental and the most vital thing that a growing Christian can hope to have is contact with the son of God. Jesus is the light that gives us life. No plant has any hope of life without the benefit of sunlight. John chapter 8 verse 12. John chapter 8 verse 12. No plant's going to grow in the darkness. In the same way, Christ is our only means of salvation being the light. John chapter 8 verse 12. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So what is our charge then? What am I asking of you? What What do I know that I need from you in order to grow? Well, I need you to show me Jesus. I need Christ. And since Jesus isn't here on this earth, even though one day he will return, I need you. I need you, brethren. I need you to remind me of Jesus, to tell me about him, yes, and more importantly, to show me him in your actions. And I know that's a stark charge, but we sing that. Have you ever stood in the family with the Lord there in your midst? Seen the face of Christ in your brother? Then I say you've seen Jesus my Lord. We sing that. And that touches me every time. Because I do see that again and again. And I know, I can tell, I, I understand, that's what I need. We need to do that. We need to show each other Christ. I know that that's what I need. Jesus was God wrapped in the flesh, given as a sacrifice for our benefit. He died for our sins so that we could be planted. Some of you are hearing this sermon, and you may think, I can't grow. I can't do what you're asking. I, 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 you're, you're describing this growth process that a plant goes through. And I just can't grow. And you know, for some of you, you're right. You can't grow. Why? Because you've not been planted. So what must we do do then? What is the condition for us to grow? Uh, I'll tell you. and, And Jesus will tell you from John chapter 12 and verse 24. John chapter 12 and verse 24. What must we do in the face of a Savior who loved us so much... That he died for us. We've got to die as well. John chapter 12 verse 24. Truly, truly I say to you. Unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies. It remains alone. But if it dies it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life. Loses it. Whoever hates his life in this world. Will keep it. For eternal life. So what does this passage mean? If you cling to the person that you were. Then that's the person that you'll remain. And you'll never grow up into Him who is the head. You'll never grow up into Christ. But if you're willing to die, if you're willing to give your life in faith, if that's how much faith that you have, and that's how much faith we need to have, that we would sacrifice our very lives for God, that's what Jesus did for us, then you need to understand that, 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 that you have that need and that, that you have a need. For salvation. If you've not been planted, if you haven't died, then I have a solution for you. We're just gonna need we're just gonna need some water. Most of y'all are going through this sermon, and maybe you're thinking, Okay, he's talking about the soil. He's talking about you know, making sure that all the weeds are up, he's talking about the even a trellis, he's talking about patience, he's talking about the sunlight. You don't care. Brother Cain, you ain't mentioned anything about water. What? That's for a reason. I saved it for the end of the sermon. Because Romans chapter 6 describes uh, our need for for, for not just water, but for a response to a good conscience toward God. Romans 6 says that we're buried with Christ in our baptism. That that's the moment that we die to sin. And that when we come up out of the water, that we're raised to walk in a newness of life. Let me ask you this. Have you have you been baptized for the forgiveness of your sins? Have you died to sin? If you've never been baptized for the forgiveness of your sins, then you cannot say that you have been planted and you cannot say that you're growing and you cannot say that you're going to bear fruit for Jesus Christ. If you want to do that, if you want to call yourself a Christian, we can make that happen today. Through the the working of the Lord, we can make that happen. We're going to be singing this invitation song in just a minute. I'm going to be standing right here. All you need to do if you want to become a Christian is just come forward as we stand and as we sing.